0: Welcome, my name is Erica, and one of the co-founder F33 Sport Nutrition and today on the show I have with me a multi-champion ultra runner Anna Marie Watson. Uh, I had an interesting conversation about uh, her running journey from finishing big races to winning big races. Uh, she did so many of the most iconic races: UTMB, Marathon des Arbes, the owner brought an event, Ultra X. We are going also to explore the world of sleep deprivation because a long distance runner they experience quite a lot. Um, we did explore also the testing your DNA. Uh, Anna Marie she is also a motivational speaker and she helps people to reach peak performance through the flow state. So how to get into the flow state and how to stay into the flow state. Uh, She's sharing with us so many tools that any athlete can use to raise their own gain. Uh, Sharing tools and making an all natural sport nutrition is our mission. You can find us at 33shake.com. Let's go into the conversation with Anna Marie Watson. Welcome, Anna Marie Watson. Uh, you are a multi-champion. I'm so excited to speak with you. <laughs> multi-champion uh, on the podium so many times. Um, okay, you. Um, I want to know more about uh, your running journey. So starting from a finishing r- racer uh, to a winning racer. So let's say it's a completely different... Uh, uh, personality identity shift uh, from someone that is uh, a participant to a race to to someone that actually is the protagonist on the podium tell me tell me tell me the journey on uh, running
1: Wow! Wow! Where to start? And thank you so much for that really kind um, introduction. I'm not sure I've ever been called a multi-champion before. That's definitely a new one. <laughs> you are. You are. So you deserved. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to contemplate that one because it's strange as you say about identity and labels and how you think of yourself and even now as a champion it's like oh how does how does that feel how does that fit and it's 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 a strange one um so uh, my running journey and i always love to hear about people's running journeys we all have um, our own unique pathway into this amazing sport and you can just learn so much from other people so um, just to offer like a little snapshot into my backstory, it's not that I've always been up there on the podium by any means. I'll admit I've always been pretty active um, I love the outdoors, though the classic Sports at school: uh, netball, hockey, running around chasing a ball. I will hands up admit was just not my forte. Um, I used to schedule my piano lessons so I could avoid them until my PE teacher kind of got wind of this and wrote a letter to my my parents, which unfortunately put an end to that. And I was set to endure getting wet and cold and muddy on a hockey pitch in Newcastle in the 80s which wasn't really much fun. And that said I've always kind of dabbled in running. Um though so I was in the army for 9 years and I know that it can be portrayed that you know that you're in the army you must be super fit and um, marching everywhere with really heavy loads and there is an element of that, though, for me, I'm definitely a lot fitter now. I've left the military and I have the opportunity to kind of structure my own training. Um, I have been in the ultra running game for a while now. I did my first ultra back in 2008. And that was the one that you kind of alluded to earlier, where I was very much back of the pack. The aid stations were pretty much closing as I went through so I was kind of trying to grab you know the odd smashed up crisp and kind of bit of cheese that was left to kind of fuel myself on the way around and I look at pictures now of what I was wearing and uh, with really heavy boots this massive big fleece I didn't even I had a watch but it broke halfway round. so I remember stopping and borrowing my mum's watch which was a pop, proper you know with dial and hands just so I kind of knew what time it was um So you know, fast forward um, to 2017 when I did the UTMB. Back in 2008, there's no way I could have done it. I wasn't physically, mentally, emotionally ready. Um, So it's definitely been a a long journey, and it's not just the running. And that's the thing; it's very much getting the kind of the fundamentals sorted. It's about that consistency. It's about getting your nutrition right. It's getting about your mindset right your sleep your recovery and I was definitely one for junk mileage in the past Uh, very much in that kind of gray zone that doesn't do anything for you just kind of wears you out you're not getting any faster you're not recovering properly so working with my coach he kind of keeps me on track and I do for me having that accountability uh, really really helps and it's been a total mind shift of oh I'm actually now you know I'm an athlete how do you then kind of own that label as a runner, as an athlete, as, you know, even as an elite, the whole elite kind of pro. And I'll put that in brackets. You know, what actually does that mean? Um, is it because you've got so many extra points, which let's be honest, how they create them is a bit of a dark art. Um, though how does that then support you and drive you forward so it's still something that for me within my identity I'm still kind of getting to grips with and you know I've had some amazing achievements in the past which I often still kind of look back and can't quite believe um there's kind of that disconnect between you know how can i push my body so much and run for you know 28 and a half hours and just keep going and keep going it is trying to get your head around it is is something kind of phenomenal but i just feel so lucky to to be where i am and you know meeting the people and connecting and just enjoying it ultimately it's about having fun if you don't enjoy it why bother
0: yeah absolutely but what about the tools so do you use any tools do you have any tools so that uh, Uh, they can be actually useful to create this uh, shift. Because as you said, before you were like a a runner, but then you started to become an athlete. So that is a big shift. Did you use any visualization, meditation? uh, I don't know, any any something that actually can help you to achieve uh, the podium? Mm.
1: And I think... It's there's so many. It's all the kind of marginal gains that then come together. There isn't just kind of one one thing and ultimately everyone is different. And it's kind of testing out various strategies that work for you. I know that for me an element of daily meditation has really helped my focus and attention. And it's again, it's that consistency time and time again. Results don't happen overnight ultra running is very much the long game and you know you put your hours and hours and hours of practice in and you know you can hop back to Malcolm Gladwell and the 10,000 hours of quality practice you know is there something to that you know potentially I look back over 15 years and there's no one big lightning flash moment it's all just very much small small wins and very much now I look at you know how do I prepare for a race how do I organize my calendar how do I go and recce the route how do I plan my training how do I test my kit out what do I think about when I'm racing how am I focused how am I dialing into my body how am I listening to my pace and my breathing how am I knowing what my body wants from a fueling perspective how am I yes connecting with friends and sharing and inspiring you know others and others are inspiring me though how do I craft out time for myself I'm a classic little introvert hermit and I do enjoy my own space and if I'm ultimately surrounding myself with too many people or working too hard you know it's all those lifestyle factors and stress that then that impacts on your training and your racing so it's all about getting that balance and you know balance is that kind of can you ever achieve it once you've achieved it it often kind of goes completely awry and you know I've got it horribly wrong in the past and I'm sure I will probably get it horribly wrong in the future we're all only human um though it is just when it does kind of go a little bit off track how do you pull it back and ultimately then how do you not beat yourself up over kind of having to relearn a lesson that you probably learned about 10 years ago and you know this stuff though it just kind of slips but you know that's life
0: yeah definitely And uh, thinking about, uh, you were speaking about uh, that you do daily meditation. Which kind of meditation do you do? And how for uh, how long, uh, how many minutes uh, a day?
1: So I have to say I'm a Headspace fan. I find that the 10 minutes in the morning, that works for me. It doesn't work for everybody and there are various apps available. Um, Though I've been using that and it's it's just easy. It's not part of my routine. It's just, you know, I get up i do my hrv i use that as a test as well so i use an app you know again various um available and that you know it's tracking you know levels of stress how am i feeling i you know you identify the pattern and trends within your life and actually you know what what load have you got on your body and i think just kind of quantifying it does kind of then enable you to kind of test and adjust things necessary so i then you know get up do my headspace sit on the floor cross-legged um and i just find you know without looking at my phone you know that temptation before you even get out of bed to look at your phone and you know I've got all notifications turned up so turned off so I don't get that little kind of red oh I've got so many emails oh I've got so many messages it's like I that's I feel that then you're starting the day in a very reactive mode and for me it's okay so how do I want to set myself up how do I want to proactively create the day so I'm doing what I want to do. I'm not constantly responding to the needs of others. And, you know, within my work as a coach, and it very much leads into this, you know, I spend a lot of my time serving others, though ultimately to be able to do that, I need to look after myself. And how can you make sure that, you know, I am well, I'm healthy, I'm alert. So when I am then working with clients, for example, I can you know, provide the quality service that I want to. And it also comes into my training. I want to be able to set myself up and use my training. So I focused on that moment. I don't want to be doing a training block. So I'm, you know, thinking about something else or um, kind of preoccupied with um, something that, you know, is on my to-do list or I'm kind of, you know, got some emotion running about something because of a conversation I've had with somebody. It's very much I want to be able to use my time and focus on that present moment and, um, I am a planner. I do tend to think ahead a lot. For me, it's all about the future. So actually, the meditation forces me back into that moment to just enjoy the moment. Ultimately, all we can control is that moment in time. We can't influence the past it's happened. We can't influence the future. It's not unfolded yet. All it is is that moment. And meditation for me really helps bring me back and and forces me to pause and yes, you know, there's times when you sat there and your mind is all over the place and random thoughts are popping in. And you're just like, God, where's that come from? It's like, stop, still, breathe, pause. Um, and I am on a mission to do like a year. I was absolutely gutted. I got up to, I think it was 230 days in a row. And I missed one because I was traveling and the time difference oh. went away. And I was just absolutely mortified. <laughs> My husband thought it was hilarious, which did not help. I was very cross with her. <laughs> so now I'm back. And I think I'm on 267 this morning. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm going for a year. It's going to happen.
0: <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. That's great. Uh, you were speaking about, it's kind of interesting, uh, exploring a little bit this uh, um, meditation, so the connection more with your body and your mind. Are you using that tool uh, or this connection that you are creating more bonding uh, um through the meditation are you using also that while you are running do you think so that actually can help to understand better your body your necessity or long distance
1: totally definitely and being able to have that awareness of that present moment when you're in the body and whether it is you know a bit of a body scan um, whether it is kind of coming back to your breathing those are kind of the two classic meditative tools which when you say them it sounds like so easy though actually in reality just to practice it can be really quite challenging um though so yes and when i when i'm running it's it is it's all about focus it's all about that mindset when you drift that's when things kind of start to drift so for me when i'm doing um an ultra race it is just as much a mental, as a physical, as an emotional. And yes, there's an element of kind of, for me, spiritual connection, particularly if I'm up in the mountains. I just love being alone, and particularly at night, you know, when it's getting dark and the the stars are kind of coming out, having that connection to, you know, the, the to nature and the wider environment, I just think is really quite beautiful. And it very much reminds me of, you know, yes, a sense of awe at the world, but also a sense of insignificance of me, kind of a tiny dot on this amazing planet that we live on.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's, it's nice. You're right, overnight there is actually a completed perception of space and time differently because you don't have so many reference around you, it's all black, you just see the stars. So probably the time, the idea of time is
1: completely different, I would imagine. Mm. And that's that when you bring the whole time, for me it links into flow and flow is one of my kind of passion projects as a performance coach. Um, The concept of flow is absolutely fundamental and you know I would describe myself as a little bit of a flow hunter or a flow junkie how can you kind of seek out that perfect moment and yes you know in the past it's been called that kind of runner's high with the endorphins kind of rushing around your body though it's been really interesting with the developments in neuroscience over the last few years how they've actually discovered it's much more than that and how you can Kind of, you know, in a way, train your brain, train your body to be able to enter flow more easily, eke it out for longer. um And ultimately, when you're in that flow, you're performing so much better. Um, and that's, you know, time does almost stand still, because actually, the, the part of your brain, which is measuring time is becomes disconnected. So yeah, kind of what is, what is time?
0: So people that, that don't know exactly what is the flow state, how can you mm-hmm. define, how
1: can you make people understanding for the for the one that they don't know what it is. So flow, flow is that perfect moment where everything kind of comes together, and it just feels effortless. You're absolutely kind of floating along, um, and time stands still. And I would definitely encourage anybody who is kind of intrigued to check out the work of Mihai, sent Mihai, which the name itself is an absolute mouthful and I do apologize to any Hungarian if I have totally mispronounced the name Um, but he is the grandfather of Flo um, and the story behind it was he was um, really interested in you know what what makes people happy when are people happy he was he was living in the um, 1950s post-war so as you can imagine kind of kind of quite a time Mm. of depression and rebuilding the economy and he was kind of almost the forefather of, forefather of um, positive psychology so he went around the world and interviewed a load of people from uh, motorcyclists in Japan to Navajo sheep herders to people working on a kind of uh, factory assembly lines in Chicago to jazz musicians and it was very much you know what, what do you feel when you're at your happiest when you're in that moment um where everything kind of you know stops, and the, the the way that people described it was flow, and it was that one word that he himself kind of admits is a bit it's a bit fluffy, it's a bit random, though that's what people kind of totally randomly unconnected kept kind of coming up with. So that's kind of how it's it's stuck. and And yes, since then, um, there's now if you kind of fast forward fifty years there's the Flow Genome Project and work with uh, Jamie Wheeler and Stephen Kotler. And they have very much kind of linked with, um, you know, athletes from Red Bull, with the, um, the Navy Seals in America and also within corporate, because uh, you can imagine that organizations and business are really interested. And, you know, if people are, you know, up to five times more productive when they're in flow, kind of clearly the business world would want a little bit of that. But a lot of it has come from the extreme sports world um, and kind of it's pushing your limit. It's getting that balance between the, the challenge and the skill ratio so that you're kind of in that sweet spot of flow.
0: So, how do you step into your own personal flow? How you do it? Are there is a technique or something that actually you explore. Um, you need a time to get in into the flow, or is it something that you can learn?
1: Um, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's the exciting thing. It's not one of those things that you could you know never never achieve and actually just knowing about it and having an awareness of it so then when you're out running and it doesn't have to be running it can be any kind of you know activity or playing music or kind of creative you know some people if they're you know computer coding and they're kind of in that moment of coding and it just absolutely flows and it's almost as if someone else is kind of taking control of your body and you're just kind of going for it unconsciously um so there's, there's kind of a list of triggers of what can support you moving into it. And it's kind of having that backdrop of like a bigger, a bigger goal, a bigger purpose. Um, though that the outcome it's not about the outcome it's about being in that moment it's the process it's being in the present moment so yes you've got a bigger purpose that you are aiming for though that is not what you're focusing on all the time it's about bringing it back to the present moment and actually how can you have that focus how can you have that attention and it is very much kind of like a mindset how can you dial into it um whether it is kind of your breathing whether it is um kind of dialing into your body and yes there's an element of kind of environment and you know everyone is different some people you know the environment doesn't affect them so much for me I'm really quite sensitive to my environment um, and my surroundings so you know now I'm fortunate to be in my mountain home in Chamonix and just being here it centers me it grounds me and I just find I just almost you know relax and dial into it so there's an emotional level to it as well and there's also a social aspect and you know you can't have team flow when sometimes you know you're with a group of people and particularly within the military when people have trained and worked and refined their skills and drills together over kind of so much time Mm -hmm. that it just kind of like that you just kind of sink into it and it's like it's almost you don't have to speak to the person you intuitively know what they're thinking what they're feeling what they're going to be doing but it, it doesn't happen kind of automatically and you know i've run various workshops on this in the business environment and within running as well and it's always interesting to kind of talk to people afterwards and some people are like yeah i get it Um, I've, you know, experienced moments like that, you know, several times and others are kind of like, I might've maybe once had a little moment, um, of flow maybe. And then, you know, they'll kindly get in touch a few months later and go, well, actually now I'm aware of it. Um, you know, I went and did parkrun and there was, there was definitely a minute of it. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it's like seeking it, it's hunting it out. So actually you're actively focusing on flow. Rather than, oh, I need to get back and do blah, 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 blah. blah. So it's bringing you back into that moment. Yeah, that's
0: very interesting because you were saying that there is also this seeking and try to find the moment. And as soon as you find the moment, how can you stay into the flow? How can you make it that he stay with you for longer? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And you know, I can link it to my meditation as well. It's like when you're meditating, you're in that moment, and then oh, it kind of it kind of goes and it is. It's like it's so fragile. And sometimes, if you're trying too hard, then it's ever more elusive. It really is kind of quite quite intangible, but I would definitely encourage people to, you know, check out those couple of um, resources that I signposted earlier and just to kind of read up around the subject. It is absolutely fascinating and definitely places um, the mind firmly on the table. I think as athletes um, and as runners, we can all get very kind of bewitched by, you know, our training programs and hours and volume and kit um, and actually bringing the mental aspect and the emotional aspect Kind of firmly onto the table is is that's where often results happen, and you know within ultra running, it's very much it's your mind that defeats you. That's what causes the kind of the D DNF. So yeah, it's an element of kind of the mind over matter. Yeah, definitely. I think you're absolutely right in any sport, uh,
0: but also in creative uh, world because also if you are a writer, a painter, a director, any any movie movie director, I mean. You know, anything you need that kind of uh, tune with uh, um, the challenge, and uh, of course, and there is always in the back of your mind: "Oh, you can't do it, or you, you mm. will not able to finish." You know, things like "Oh, stop," or, or um, you need more connection. Uh, you can't do by yourself." You know, all that kind of oh, voices that actually uh, it's a good way how to erase all these voices if you are able to, to get inside the flow. But I think, I don't know, but I, I had the impression uh, listening to you speaking about the flow is also a, a big connection with your passion. So if there is a passion, there is a, the easy way how to get to this
1: state. Yes, that definitely is a big, a big part of it. Um, to ease ease your way into it Um, and the passion kind of is is at the root of it I think you know for me going and finding flow playing football for example would be uh, (laughs) near on near on impossible (laughs)
0: makes sense yeah
1: yeah but so yeah so for me clearly running is a is a a key and I, I very much you know, connect okay, so lessons within running, how can I then transfer that back into the rest of my life and I'll have coaching conversations with people, and it just flows it's just like you're in sync, there's some connection that at a deeper level, and you know I do a lot of my coaching outdoors, um and I do find you know for me being outside is i'm a bit free range to be honest, I'm not a zoo human that kind of operates too well. 9 to 5 in an office stuck behind a desk. So for me part a big part of it is an element of that movement that kinesthetic kind of drive and also kind of my natural surroundings as well. I'm definitely happiest outdoors. Uh,
0: yeah, definitely I can see your past, the passion for the outdoors and also how you was able you were able actually to integrate you as an entrepreneur or founder also they reach for more. And I find it fascinating, uh, this walking and talking, coaching conversation that you are leading. Um, like uh, going back in the Greek philosophers, uh, you know, talking and uh, where they were talking. and. Uh... So tell me more about, actually, about
1: this talking and uh, coaching at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and it's now I kind of, in a way, look back on my coaching journey and how that's unfolded. Um Almost in parallel with my running kind of journey, they're very much both kind of interconnected, and the lessons I've learned from both and the lessons I've learned about myself from you know going through my coaching kind of qualifications and working with a variety of coaches i kind of that's given me a lot more self awareness and confidence that then I can then kind of draw into my running um and it almost kind of comes back to those labels you know when when do you call yourself a coach, when do you call yourself an athlete? when do you call yourself a runner? and actually just those words like one word has so much power over our perceptions of ourselves and also how you present yourself to the world and then how other people perceive you. So there's some kind of really kind of complex um, relationships between yourself and how you kind of perceive yourself interspersed within that. Um, Though bringing it back to the walking and talking coaching, you know, now it's just such a natural ingrained part of my practice though when I started off on my coaching kind of um, journey, it was not that way in the slightest. And as with, you know, a lot of training, a lot of formal training, it all happens indoors. And you all kind of sat in a conference room, kind of sat there having conversations. And I almost felt a little bit confined and constrained and whenever I had the chance for a peer coaching kind of session I'd very much be like can we go for a walk or can we maybe stand on the balcony outside just to get a bit of movement going it's almost for me that having that movement even now as I sat I'm kind of like bobbing about a bit um that's what helps me kind of think that's where the creativity comes through that's where things kind of kind of move forward almost if I'm sat I'm kind of stuck and I found. Um, there's kind of other, you know, there's other people who, you know, they love the outdoors, they love the idea of walking and talking. So it's, it's just kind of organically emerged. I wouldn't say, you know, there was a business plan and walking and talking coaching was going to be kind of central thread to it. It is very much emerged over the last eight years. And you know, I, I wouldn't want to be kind of having conversations anywhere else. And thankfully, there's a, a lot of other people who recognize that. And I have seen an increase in interest. And you can link it to, you know, the, the increased awareness around mental health and how people are talking about um, things a lot more. And actually being outdoors is, you know, it's recognized as so so kind of kind of so calming and healing and beneficial to to be out there we, we are not designed even from an evolutionary perspective to be sat for what eight, 10, 12, 14 hours in one position over a computer and you can see the the, you know, the levels of issues in back and um, back pain and in stress um and actually it's one of those you know common sense you kind of you feel better after a walk And there's so many disciplines that you can draw on, be it from kind of the neuroscience, be it from drawing lessons from, you know, famous people like Steve Jobs, who used to hold a lot of his walking meetings outside, even Charles Dickens. So when you look back in history, you look back on our evolution, you kind of draw on the neuroscience and the way that our brains operate differently when our bodies are, are moving. Actually, it all kind of combines together to have these conversations that are so much much deeper. And the feedback I get from my clients is that actually being able to walk alongside somebody in pace is so much more relaxing. It's so much more natural than kind of, you know, being sat. And, and what I find is it opens up the conversations a lot of times through the silence. If you're sat looking at somebody, there's almost that, oh, I need to say something. I need to fill the gap. So when you're walking alongside there's those pauses and actually in those pauses, that is often where things emerge. Um yeah absolutely it's,
0: it's, you're absolutely right uh, also one uh, and myself uh, when we have to take uh, some decision uh, for 33 uh we just go at the local park and we just walk <laughs> we just walk <laughs> and we do in this way our meetings because at the end of the day you're absolutely right you absorb the environment the green you breathe sunshine it just connect more with uh, the real world around otherwise you are like in a little box <laughs> the, the room mm-hmm. if you stay in just in the office it doesn't give you the same freedom uh, of mind
1: yeah and I, I do I find it as, as a society within education within business we are culturally expected it's our norm is to is to fit and I know for me, that experience of being stationary, I don't feel, you know, as alive as I could be, as if it's, you know, I'm outside walking or, you know, yes, I appreciate within my business's times where, you know, I do have to sit down and get on with things. Though how can I structure my day? How can I split it up so that there are those, those breaks?
0: I know that your father was a very good runner. So you grow up watching your father coming through the finish line many times. Uh, But because at the very beginning of your, you were not at the very beginning attracted to running, as you said at the beginning of the the show. Um, I was wondering, I know you did a a DNA testing. I was wondering if you, what did you discover on your DNA testing? There was also something related to, the gene also toward the running there was something about to be an athlete
1: um yes yeah. so my father always takes full credits for my running bless him <laughs> he he was he was a re- he was um an amazing athlete um a fell runner, one of the one of the, the fell runners who kind of trotted up and down mountains in the Lake District and was very much you know part of that legendary kind of Joss Naylor, Billy Bland. We'd spend a lot of our weekends over camping and my memories were that it was generally raining um and we'd sit in the car waiting for my dad to finish a race um though I will caveat that my brother and I did take part in various junior file races um which was um great fun though I vowed that I was never going to be a runner and I was going to do something different um yeah that hasn't quite (laughs) transpired has it never mind if you can't beat them that you might as well join them um but, yeah, coming back to the DNA fit, which was absolutely fascinating and um, that I did. It must have been back in about 20, 2015. It was um, I met um, an incredible lady, um, Kim Ingleby, on a coaching course, actually, in Bath. And she is kind of qualified to... Um, run through the dna fit process with you and you know i know that there's uh, different companies out there who it's it's something that's gained a lot of interest over the last kind of three or four years as people kind of discover how that they can you know work with their genetics um clearly the genetic factor isn't the only thing and it is very much impacted by the environment. So just I found by having that knowledge around your your genes, okay, how can you kind of tweak things? How can you dial into things? Um I will kind of caveat that this was kind of a larger part of, you know, switching up my nutrition. So it, it wasn't just a kind of a one-off, it's kind of very much formed a A blend of a load of different elements that have come together so I was already kind of tweaking my nutrition switching things up you know I'd learned a lot by listening to podcasts and very much moving away from that kind of carb fueled world where you know I'd get up and have you know muesli or toast for breakfast a massive sandwich for lunch a pile of pasta or load of potatoes for dinner and you know that never kind of really worked for me I have really bad energy dips Um, throughout the day. So I would kind of started to, you know, buy a couple of recipe books and switch things up, looking far more at my macros and how they were balanced. Um, And then by getting the DNA, it just enabled me to kind of dial into a few things. And I actually bought it as a Christmas present for myself and my husband. So he got his done. And just seeing the differences um, in our needs was really, really kind of quite insightful. He's got, um, he's half Maltese, So having that kind of Mediterranean influence come through and what, he's his needs are and then what our needs are and I think sometimes when you live with somebody you very much will kind of cook and eat the same things whereas actually how is that meeting what your body needs are you, how are you kind of fueling yourself or actually are there kind of different tweaks in the way that you might respond genetically to you know refined carbs for example or salt or alcohol or caffeine how can you then kind of dial into the details so it's, it's kind of one of those things with hindsight it's like oh yeah that kind of seems really obvious now um and kind of trying to unpack it because now it is just such a massive part of my life you know there's no way i dream of getting up and having a bowl of cereal i like i just wouldn't touch cereal i don't eat it well, the only kind of muesli i eat is kind of some baked quinoa and nuts based one that i will make myself um and i'm very much more kind of an eggs and vegetables and kind of getting that balance um and that's so it is. that you discover from the dna while you mm. were doing the the tests yeah so they very much you get a massive big report which goes into so much detail of all the different genes um please don't ask me to quote anything about that now it's you can properly geek out on it and then they also give you like a one page infograph and to be honest we've got them stuck on the fridge and that's just a really kind of useful reminder of okay so how how does this fit um and for me, you know, the way my body processes alcohol, it just, it's, it's poison. Literally, my body just hates it. So I've, you know, very much stripped my alcohol back, um, because it's, you know, it's very much damaging to my liver. And I've, I am a bit of a, I do enjoy finding out about my body and, you know, we can very much see what's going on on the outside, but what's happening on the inside. So since, you know, the DNA testing, I've also gone and have, Um, I've had my hormone levels checked at certain places and blood tests done. Though very much they are an insight at that moment in time, and things change. So I can look back at some of the tests that I did, you know, last year, which were two weeks post marathon de saab and some like levels were they were low, they were shockingly low, which it it reinforces how much stress you are putting on your body. And yes it's having that awareness of it and feeling it, though actually sometimes looking at those numbers, it kind of does bring it into reality. And ultra running is, it's still, it's a pretty kind of newish sport. I mean, yes, you know, the Greeks were running miles and blah, blah, blah. So actually as a sport and the number of races that people are racing, you know, we don't really know the long-term impact on our body. How are things changing? How are you you know potentially altering levels of hormones within your body which is a as a female athlete you know they fluctuate on the monthly basis as it is and it's something that we should kind of have an awareness of because ultimately depending on what time of month it is that very much it impacts your training and actually your your kind of your ability you know if your core body temperature is changing and the levels of sodium of your body are changing that's going to impact on your training.
0: Absolutely. So how, for example, you said that you did also some blood tests uh, just after doing uh, um, one of the bigger races. So, and you noticed that they, the levels were very different. How you were able to bring back everything to the normal level and just to, um, you did it naturally? Did you done a different, uh, what, what,
1: did you change it with the nutrition? How you did it? So, I mean, rest recovery is a massive massive one and that's it's often there's no quick fix you know if you've put your body through a multi-stage race and you've been racing in extreme environments and harsh kind of terrain for five days it's going to have a knock-on effect and yeah you know it'd be great to kind of take some supplements and woohoo everything's better it doesn't doesn't work like that and i you know fully get that everybody's bodies recovers at different rates and you know, I take time. Some people, you know, they can race every week and that works for them. And that's brilliant. Though for me, if I'm doing like a big key race, I need to have recovery through it. And, and part of the reason I know is because, you know, the Marathon de Saab last year, it was off the back of UTMB, Half Marathon de Sable, trans Canaria, Marathon de Sable. That's four massive events in seven months, which for me, it was too much. It broke me. And I very much took a time off block. And, you know, went back to do more triathlon. You know, I do a lot of cross training and that does definitely ease things up. Though I'm still aware that my hormone levels in, you know, my estrogen levels for me, that they're, they're, they're low. There's something I need to kind of keep an eye on. And it all comes back to, you know, the level of cortisol in your body um, and how much stress are you putting on, putting on yourself. So it's, it's something that I'm kind of conscious of. And, you know, there, there are experts out there who know far more than I do. Um, And it's how to work with them and kind of, yeah, find out more.
0: Yeah, no, it's very interesting because, uh, for example, in uh, races like uh, the UTMB, you are actually awake for one or two nights. (laughs) So, you know, it depends on your speed. But definitely you go, definitely uh, there is the professional sleep. Do you think so that that professional sleep is damaging? But, But can you catch up? Can you find afterwards, I mean, can you, yeah, find the solution? Because you can actually sleep for another other three days. But the, that deprivation is actually something that continuously remains in your body. Do you think so, That Or, or can actually you can catch up afterwards?
1: Uh, no. Once, once sleep's gone, it's gone, unfortunately. Um, which is really sad because I love sleep um complete duvet monster and i will quite happily smash out nine ten hours if i can get away with it the whole eight hour myth if i had eight hours a night or only eight hours a night i would not function i'd be properly grumpy um so yeah i have a very Kind of strict. Ten o'clock in bed, and the whole getting ready for bed starts before that. Shall we say? Um, I'm on a tight time schedule, and sleep is just a non-negotiable. To be honest, um, I'm kind of aware we're not painting a very good picture of running here with all these <laughs> stresses on the body. Well, you um, know, I think that actually <laughs> it's
0: it's part of the it's part of the ultra ultra because uh, you know if you are a, a runner that he does you know. 5K, 10K, 20K, it's fine. But when you are speaking about uh, uh, over a marathon, these are aspects that, that are so fundamental. Everyone they experience it and everyone they want to know more about actually what I'm doing to my body. As you said, the ultra running is such a, 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 new, a new sport in a way. Uh, so you don't know exactly what you are doing to your body, what you are doing to yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to know from uh, athletes like yourself that they push to the limit to arrive on the podium. Uh, if there is any back, uh, you know, afterwards, something to think about it or, or, or some, uh, you know, your feedbacks.
1: But, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and that's with sleep, you know, it is you very much. Sleep deprivation is a big part of it. And, I, you know, I've got two races this year, um, Lavaredo and Grand Rad, which start at 11 o'clock at night. And Oman by UTMB start at 7 o'clock last night, so, so last, last year. So it's very much, yes, you know, missing one night's sleep. And when you start reading around how vital sleep is for the body and actually by missing, you know, one night, two nights, and, you know, I'd very much encourage everyone to read a book, you know, Why, Why We Sleep by Matt Walker, which goes into very much the scientific research about how if you're missing sleep, your cognitive function is of the same level as being, like, you know, legally drunk. And it's very much we need the sleep to clean out the toxins in our brain and, you know, a whole raft of other things. So it, it is absolutely vital. And, you know, I, I also find that after I've done a big event, Actually, the night afterwards, I can't sleep. My body's in such a state of almost alert that actually then decompressing and kind of coming down um, can take a while. And You know, I'm trying now that, you know, after UTMB, I was in a complete fog, a total haze for about two or three days afterwards. I was so exhausted. So it's you're putting so much into these races actually afterwards. How can I plan? How can I factor in that? I've got two or three days rest that I'm not kind of coming straight off, jumping straight on a plane because that in effect is putting your body under, you know, a completely different stress of going up at the altitude. And how does that then affect your legs? Um, in your body and your recovery but also kind of from a work perspective maybe potentially not having like a vital meeting kind of two days later because I'm Probably not going to be talking too much sense.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense Another thing that you were speaking about uh, Just a few minutes ago. It was uh, when you did uh, your test of uh, I'm very interested about the nutrition So you said some (laughs) kind of food. I was not actually it was better. It doesn't work for me. So mm-hmm. through the DNA test, you were able to see the analysis and pick up what the things that are not making you feeling so well, or in mm-hmm. any case, they don't need to tune properly with your body. What did you discover? And uh, uh, yeah, how do you okay, how you replace food? Did they give it to you a list of food that you can eat, other that you' is better that you avoid? How does it
1: work? Yes, it does. It does go into that detail. So as a broad brush, like very much the refined carbs for me was my body just the way it processes. It processes them really, 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 really fast. Um, So I was having those massive glucose kind of high, low, high, low, high, low. There was no kind of stability within my blood. Um, So very much by removing kind of the refined carbs, that was then... That, that's definitely smoothed out what i have noticed is as i've been dialing into my kind of monthly cycle is that actually there's a week when and as females as well it, it, it kind of comes down to the how fat adapted do you become and there is a danger that actually you take out too much carbs and actually we need it and particularly within the kind of the a, a certain week kind of before um our kind of monthly cycle you you want to be having more carbs and often your body does crave them you know reaching for the chocolate before you kind of do your your pms it's because your body kind of wants that level so for me it's like okay so i'm aware this it's this week how can i kind of shift my diet up how can i bring a bit more kind of sweet potato or potato um into my diet so i'm kind of getting that and it, it kind of comes back to fueling properly and i think a lot of athletes often don't fuel or don't eat enough i think female athletes are w- worse at this and there's um kind of uh, the syndrome which has kind of been named red, you know reds and um, reduced oh don't ask don't me r-e-d-s um and rennie mcgregor has been doing amazing work on that and she's got her book or orthorexia which kind of brings out actually the disordered eating patterns that a lot of athletes do have and yes you know for me a low kind of refined carb diet works, but that does not mean it's a no carb. And I think there is a danger that people cut out so much carbs then that they're not getting kind of what their body ultimately needs. Um So, yes, so that was a big element of it for me. Um, And it kind of goes into things about salt. So, you know, for salt, for me, I don't need, you know, masses, they ultimately, you always have to remember, this is just the genes and the environment does have a factor. So yes, from a salt perspective, okay, genetically, I don't need extra salt. However, I'm racing in the, you know, if I'm racing in the Sahara, I will need an element of kind of getting that right. I was advised to supplement with omega-3. So I use, um, you know, a fish oil. Um that I tested, okay, so what were my levels? And the ratio of like omega-3 to omega-6, which in in a, in itself is you know a massive big kind of science research area. And again, it the ratios were not great. Right. So I moved forward, you know, and I, I retested six months later, and they're kind of they're balancing, um, balancing out. There's still a bit of work to be done. And um, so that is like basically now a part of my, you know, my daily you know supplement is a part of my me you know, my food plan and you know bringing it back i very much the, the whole diet works i i hate diet the diet is it just it's not sustainable for me ultimately it comes down to eating real food where you look at it on the ingredients okay are there more than five ingredients on the label Meh. do i actually know what they are I don't know what that means. Okay. It's some kind of Franken food that ultimately I do not want to be putting in my body park. And yes, you know, I go for quality meat. I love going to the farm shop. I get the egg, my eggs from the chickens around the corner, which I can see. So it is very much coming back to that kind of, you know, that real food eating meat. I know where it's coming from and, Cutting back as well, so making sure I've got you know more fish in there. Yes, eating getting kind of my kind of my vegetables. Um, and and we don't have to,
0: yeah. When you you are uh, performing, which kind of food that you bring with you, because of course, a longer distance uh, you need actually uh, a little bit of variety, and you can't give uh, only one thing to your body, (laughs) you know, it just asks you, you know, different things which is your typical picnic (laughs) portable while you are doing uh, your UTMB or big races or now for the Lavaredo what are you bringing with you?
1: And and that is um, a picnic is definitely the right word that you use to describe it I do like a little bit of variety and aid stations um, when I can have my husband who's my kind of my support team. I've, I've trained him up over the last few years and he does do a phenomenal job, bless him. Uh, but he will very much have a hamper with a selection of goodies for me to um, sample. And um, I kind of work a bit from a book Um Feed Zone Portables, which is actually aimed at cyclists. Yeah, um, I know very well, yes, it's, yeah. it's a
0: good one, There's a lot mm. of really good uh, good recipes actually. Warren, yeah. he did use it when he did uh, the Lavaredo and when he did um. also the UTMB, um, uh, he did use a little bit of rice, uh, rice uh, solution, you know, rice mm. cakes uh, that they do sweet and savory. Uh, despite yeah. of, of course, using also all our products, so thirty three, but but, yeah. uh, but a little bit
1: of uh, also that actually is kind of good, and and that's and 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 it's often you know you can train and it's you know you always want to be testing your nutrition out when you're training, so often on a race you know sometimes I just don't know what I'm going to fancy, so actually having that kind of range. And then just being able to pick up like a little, as you say, I, I had some of the rice ones as well, and also some of the, the savoury kind of muffins um, that I'd, I'd made up. And just being able to have those, those little portable packs that you can take with you. So ultimately, you know, that's fine for like the UTMB and Lavaredo. When you go to Marathon des Sable, for example, it's kind of a slightly different game. So, you know, the nutrition is very much depends on the race. Um, you know, how much support are you going to get? How much am I going to carry? And, you know, I definitely want to kind of share about my experience with 33 shake and how I first stumbled across you guys because um I was doing the marathon sub I've done it twice in 2015 and 2018 last year and it was the long day on 2018 and one of my tent mates unfortunately he he got timed out like the day before and you know which is really sad when you've invested Mm. so much time in training um So it does mean that for everyone in the tent if someone has been timed out you can generally get a bit of dibs on their food so he actually had one of your chai seed gels and I was like oh I've not not had one of them before I'll, I'll test one of them thank you very much so I had that in my pack for the long stage and I had a real really tough long stage I don't know what it was I never normally get any gastro issues at all but literally and um, we started off and you know you have the top 50 men top five females everybody else just trotted into the distance and i was just like i need a bush no i really need a bush um oh. and yeah the salt plains of the salt plains of the sahara desert there's not many bushes <laughs> so that wasn't really the most pleasant experience and i literally i could not keep anything down apart from your your gels they they literally i was like oh i've not used this before and clearly you know you don't want to be trying anything new in a race but i was desperate (laughs) um and the the nutrition that i had was just not working for me and the stuff that was working for me i i I often take dates to be honest i find dates just really and i had gone through them all so i was like okay so i've got my bars which they were too they were too heavy um i just needed something light so the 33 shake a treat, oh, I'm Sarah. so
0: I'm so <laughs> glad you. because uh, uh, thanks so much for to mention us and thanks so much uh, actually I'm so glad to hear that because we are making everything with passion and uh, we are putting the best ingredients and everything and we know how chia seeds are fantastic and also are very good for um, omega that you were speaking about before omega three six and nine that is perfect perfect also to help you out for your omega. And the body recognizes it as a real food. So that probably was, that probably the the other food you brought with you was actually not real food (laughs) or not Mm. completely, you know, because as you said, uh, Marathon des Abys is is a completely different race. So you can't really bring a lot of, but
1: you carry everything. It's so heavy, you know? Yeah, and and it's definitely because I'm, I'm a bit of a a bit of a munchkin that it's very much how can I get everything as lightweight as possible so it really is kind of dialing it dialing it down and yeah it's it it was it was definitely a lifesaver and having having then tried I was then keen to kind of test them out again and particularly when I was like oh I can put coffee in it Mm." now that is my Definite, definite for winners. Yeah. <laughs> Being no, a little bit of a coffee lover.
0: <laughs> yeah, but also because you don't want a caffeine all the time. So that uh, coming in a dry format, you can actually add extra carb if you want, to uh, add in some fruit juice. So you add extra carb if you really need uh, that extra carb, despite the fact that they have a nuts, uh, nuts carb really balanced already. But you can actually customize. But as you customize... In reality, you add the properties. It's not like just uh, the, the flavor, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. So they
0: have this. Diss- and also come a uh, dry. I think uh, you can pack easily when you are doing yeah. a multi-day race or longer race. It's heavy. You don't want to bring with you water. Then you can get
1: water, no? So you can... I know.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I
1: have to admit, I've never i've never i've never used gels they have never they have never ever worked for me um and the thought of them actually makes me feel just utterly sick my husband he he does and after a race you just see this slime everywhere it's just disgusting I'll have to convert him slowly onto this we won't tell him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you one thing, one, one of the discussion we did in the park, the, the local park, it was just that. Uh, we were saying, shall we call it gels or we're not calling it gels? Because it does something completely different, but, mm. but people they know energy gel, so if you call it differently because they say it's not actually that gluey stuff. People, they probably don't recognize it, so let's call it chia energy gel, and people, they will, when they try it, they understand the difference. But there was one of our big talk, walking talk meeting we had
1: in the park. Yeah. Yay! And this is, I would just, I'm just <sighs> just kind of coming back to that. Everyone who is kindly listening, it's like, I challenge you all to take meetings outdoors. Like, just do it the next time. Like, look in your schedule, and go right I can take this one outside and you know I kind of get not every meeting you can have outside sometimes you do need that whole powerpoint and laptop and taking notes blah 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 blah. though you know we have phones you can make notes on your phones you can take a notepad with you so there it is the challenge is set yeah what can I say you're a sophist
0: uh, wandering from place to place uh, (laughs) delivering inspirations Uh, and there inspir- is really inspiring talks. So speaking about Thank that, you. just the last question. I would like to know from your wisdom. Uh, do you have one resolution that can help make your life easier?
1: Oh, on the spot, on the spot, one solution that makes your life easier. <gasps> Sleep more. <laughs> love it love it. I think, um, yeah just one sleep more or get outside that's kind of two it's a bit of a cheating and eat real food that's kind of three <laughs> <laughs> well it's Sorry. one resolution why <laughs> is the
0: resolution you know it's just like <laughs> three things in one so thanks so much uh, uh anna marie uh, really really appreciate uh, um your time and uh, you being on uh, the the show i had uh, really uh, f- fun and uh, You inspire me so much. So thanks so much uh, to be here and to be our guest. And uh, I'm going to, I know that you are in Chamonix now.
1: Yeah, my mountain home. I love being here. I I need to spend more time here.
0: (laughs) And now you're there, so for sure you can connect with nature as much as possible. Mm. So enjoy your, you're going to run a next uh, race, it will be the Lavaredo, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. good luck for that. Enjoy it, and uh, I'm looking forward to check it out. Uh, all on your social. Suggest- Speaking about social, if people they wanted to know more about you, um, how they can get in contact with you? Can you give me your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? How they how they how
1: they find you? Of course, of course. You always need a little bit of social, um, and I would love to hear what people kind of think of any of the range of topics that we've been talking about be that flow be that dna testing be that heading outdoors um definitely um just kind of connect and share and um, so i'm pretty active on twitter and instagram we've got the same handle going on so that's pretty easy to find me which is at and then it's rfm coaching so that's RFM coaching, and then my website is exactly the same www.rfmcoaching.com. So that's RFM standing for reach for more, which I really kind of encourage everyone to kind of reach for a little bit more across their lives. Fantastic!
0: So thanks so much, and uh, yeah, enjoy your race. Enjoy actually now the nature, the real nature that <laughs> is surrounding you. And, uh, yeah, thanks
1: so much to be our guest today. Oh, thank you so much, Erica. It's been an absolute pleasure um, speaking with you today. And it's just really lovely being part of the 33 Shake team. You've got an amazing product. And it's just about how can we persuade the rest of the world that it is full of real food and not packed with all the nasties that everything else seems to be these days. So thank you so much.
0: Thanks to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as I did while I was recording it. Sharing tools and making all natural sport nutrition is our mission. You can find us at 33Shake.com. Thanks for joining in.